I've got a question for you. Are you committed to being the best person you can be and maximizing your fullest personal potential? Did you know that your sleep, nutrition, mindset, movement, and habits are interconnected? Lee Chambers is an environmental psychologist and a well-being coach and consultant who specializes in how these elements in our lives are interconnected. He joined me this week to discuss the matter in greater detail. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Chambers says it's incumbent upon all of us to administer an honest self-assessment of every aspect of our lives in order to capitalize on every opportunity to live the most fulfilling one possible. Yeah, so in so many ways, I've had my own journey, which has led me to really a lot of ways test this on myself but I've got a number of qualifications and I've worked in a number of different industries surrounding psychology and physiology and what I've started to realize is that in so many ways we're massively interconnected both mind body and spirit but also in the world and as human beings and in many ways to the planet as well and the realization that from my own experience and as I've delved into it a bit more the more so often we look to isolate a single thing and try to change it, it changes lots of other interconnected elements that are surrounding it. And my philosophy is really to ensure that instead of trying to make sweeping changes, which are hard to adapt to, hard to remain consistent and harder to input into our lives when we commit to trying to do something really big, is to instead commit to doing very easy, smaller, tinier changes, but in everything that's connected. So a, sm- a tiny change in sleep, a tiny change in nutrition, a tiny change in movement, and a little shift in mindset. And altogether, they actually, over time, compound to make significant change. And it doesn't happen overnight, but then many things don't happen overnight. And it's about helping people accept that these things take time, You don't need to make sweeping life changes to try to get closer to your potential and spiral upwards. You actually need to just do lots of little things, lots of plus 1%. And over time, that adds up to become thousands and millions of percent and so much, you know, closer to where you want to be than you were when you started. And can you uh, tell me, I know you're also uh, passionate about creating a positive business culture and looking at how uh, society plays a role in that. So can you also expand on that for me as well? 
Yeah, so what I come to realise the more that I navigated different industries is that really well-being and health advancement is it's great in principle and it's changing behaviours and it's looking to help people become, you know, more well within themselves and then have the time and energy to do things that they want. And from a workplace perspective, I do go into businesses and assist with wellbeing strategies to ensure that they put in plans in place that can be measured and that can embed over time. And what I started to find is actually organisational culture plays a massive part in the foundations of how people feel at work and then how responsible they are for their own health behaviours. So I started to look more and realise that the businesses that I've run in the past have always been very value driven and purposeful. And therefore, that's kind of then travelled through to my staff where we communicated the values down and ensured that everyone had their own way to participate in the company's direction. Obviously, in larger companies, simply can't have such a flat structure. And yet, in the wider scheme of things, how people feel at work plays a massive role. Do they feel like they're included? Do they feel like they belong? Does this company have similar values to mine? Do the managers treat me with respect? Do I get appreciation for the work that I do? Do I have the autonomy to grow and learn and become more as an employee and as a person? And do leadership lead in the way that what they say, but they also do? Do the decisions match the values that they espouse? Are they congruent? And do the leaders inspire hope in other workers? Because at the end of the day, it's all great people bringing well-being into the workplace. But well-being in the workplace starts with the internal culture and it can grow organically in a big way and be amplified if there's a positive workplace culture there in the first place. Now, you talk about workplace culture. What would be your message or advice uh, to anyone running a, co a company about the importance of uh, maintaining a positive work-life balance. Yeah, so in so many ways, work-life balance is it's maybe a maybe a slightly antiquated principle now because for the majority of people and the way that technology has evolved and the world has moved on, work life and like, trying to balance work and life it's a bit of a paradox, so to speak. Everyone just has life, and work is part of that. So if anything, it's work-life integration as work becomes part of your overall lifestyle design. And looking at your employees, realistically, they're going to work well at a deep level on really focused work for about four hours of a day. That's about as much as someone can do physically as a human on really deep, you know, demanding cognitive tasks. The rest of the day, they will, can spend doing slightly less cognitive tasks and more, you know, routine work. And yet getting emails at all times in the evening when people are supposed to be switched off from work, it's problematic because while there are deadlines and there are certain jobs which require levels of, you know, switched on elements where they might be on call, for example, we start, got to start to think that if people have these issues, then what happens in a wider scheme of things is that they don't disconnect from work. So they're always on. When someone's always on, they start to burn out. They start to struggle to disconnect. And that actually then affects the workplace performance and their overall health over time. And it's much better to have your workplace 
really try to be fine at a particular time when then the communication stops. People can go and live their lives because work takes a significant chunk. For most people, it's almost a third of their overall week that they're in some kind of work mode, doing something either for work or reacting to something that's work-based. So given how much time people give, try to make those boundaries, you know, pretty solid. Try to make those lines bright so people know after this time, I can go and disconnect from work and do something else. Something that hopefully will re-energize me and power me up to come back to work and connect and be more productive the next day. And our bodies have rhythms. And if we honor those rhythms and workplace honor our rhythms, they simply get more out of us as human beings because we're more aligned, we're more on frequency, and we're more able to utilize our capabilities to promote better work going forward, to have better relationships. And when people get the chance to disconnect, they become happier. That spreads across the workplace. There's less conflict, less mistakes, less staff turnover. You retain the people who matter and you start to attract the next lot of future talent because you've become a place where people feel respected in the workplace. They're appreciated and they have and know that they're going to get a structure that allows them to work well when they're working but then do what they need to do when they're not at work. And that is such an important element as people are now working remotely to ensure that you still have that ingrained routine and you help people to find ways to disconnect even when they're working at home. And uh, I know that you've had quite the personal journey yourself. In addition to being a coach, I know you started a video game company and then you uh, lost the ability with your legs uh, and it had an effect on your mental health as well. So I'm just wondering if you can just expand on your personal journey as well. Yeah, so I'm born and brought up in the UK, the north of the UK. And my parents are blue-collar workers. They work very hard and instilled a work ethic within me. And I was always curious and disruptive as a child, but I was academically strong. And my parents identified that quite early on and really wanted me to be the first one in our extended family to go to university. So they really pushed for that. And I kind of spent a lot of time as a youth reading books and really trying to explore the world in whatever way that I could and I was quite entrepreneurial trying to sell stuff and always trying to find ways to make a bit more money realizing that I probably didn't want to work as hard as my parents because a lot of the time they were at work so I was doing doing my own thing and I got to university and obviously made my parents proud and really enjoyed it at first having the freedom and the autonomy to do things to join societies and clubs and meet new people but I did have some struggles with my mental health at university as I started to try to navigate the adolescent to adult transition, found that I didn't have a really great male example in my life to model from. And I looked out to society and didn't really see anyone like me to replicate either. So then I decided to try and dig a bit deeper into myself and found I didn't have the emotional intelligence or self-awareness to really access my own authentic expression. And I was struggling with my studies at the time and a number of other things happened that actually led me to isolate myself and then end up having some issues around having to be taken home by my parents. 
so that was kind of the first challenge that I had in my life and yeah in so many ways that became a partial defining driver for me really being passionate about male mental health and young men being able to have conversations about finding themselves and about developing their own self-awareness I managed to go back to university and graduate this was 2007 I went into financial advisory and it only took six months for the economic crash in 2008 to take my job and my training away again. So that led me to start up a video game business because they couldn't take and I couldn't be made redundant from my own company and to do a number of qualifications in nutrition, in physiology and in soccer coaching. And then I ended up running the business and working in a number of different industries and, you know, I met my wife and had my son and life was pretty good. And in 2014, suddenly became unwell my immune system attacked the connective tissue in my joints leaving me unable to walk and it only took five days to go from fully mobile and fully independent to all of a sudden completely dependent on other people and unable to hold my own weight on my legs and do anything for myself and that really was a defining. yeah so you were just explaining your personal journey so how do you think you've grown from that experience from 2014 till now yeah so i really had to i really had to go through that challenging time and show resilience and i had to have a mindset that i was going to get back on my feet and play with my children that really drove me on so that suffering it put me in a position where I had no choice. I was wobbling every day on my feet, so I had to grow. And that kind of pushed me on, realising that as I got back onto my feet and went through walking rehab and physio, I had to dig really deep. But it was great because for everything that I've learned, it was really good to be a student of your own mind and a student of your own body and really push the limits and the boundaries to try and find out exactly where you could get to in terms of my recovery and my own health outcomes. And that started a process of me learning more about nutrition and sleep and movement as I started to work on myself. Firstly, to try and get back on my feet. And after a year, I was walking again without any kind of walking aid. So that was really positive. And my daughter started walking not long after. So I was able to play with my children. And that was a really big power of why through that whole journey and then going forward I started to optimize my nutrition and sleep and movement even more because I wanted to come off medication I continued my education around sleep and psychology and got to a point where really having experimented on myself and learned more and more and tried to adapt and acclimatize where I could I started to see that this is something that could really help people to get more energy to get more purpose and direction in the life and start to look at ways they could work through their own challenges and beliefs. And when they had adversity, they could step up to it and see it as a challenge rather than step back away from it and see it as a threat as I had in the past. And that then became the basis for me to say, when my children started school, I was going to set up a company that would help people do that. And that then became essentialized with the side of coaching for small business owners and entrepreneurs and the workplace wellbeing side where I go into companies and utilize a similar system to help them get the most out of the staff and promote a culture where leaders care and companies have values and purpose and people feel good when they're working. 
And tell me, uh, what do you think is the first step to people owning their own destiny or journey? Yeah, it's, it's always a challenge. And for so many people, it takes something significant to happen before they step into it. And for me, I've taken ownership partially after my mental health issues and then partially again after redundancy. But what I started to see was there becomes a point where you have to accept what's happened and realize that these things sometimes, they happen for you to make you uncomfortable so you have a chance to grow and a chance to understand. And when I lost the ability to walk, I finally had the chance to understand that I'd never been grateful for walking. And that helped me to accept that this has happened and yet what happens going forward, how I now respond to the challenge will make me either grow or stay in the same place and not be able to recover. And really a big part of my work is to try and help people start to see that without them having to go through something so big, so life-changing, but help them to see that the world doesn't happen to you. Some, most of the time it happens for you, even the most negative things. It's the world telling you to keep moving, to keep you know, taking ownership of these situations. And sometimes the past that's happened to you, it's traumatic. It's been difficult. And that can and so, does sometimes need therapy to help you find a way through that. And yet as you look out to the future, your decisions today will affect who you become and the, where you go on your journey. And if you can find a way to take ownership of that, then all of a sudden you can grab that wheel of your vehicle a little bit you know, a little bit more controlled. You can make the turnings that you want on your journey, on your trip. You can choose which mountain you want to climb as you go through life. And if you just step back and let things happen to you, then the wind will blow you around and you'll never really start your journey. And it becomes a point in many people's lives. And sometimes it comes quite young. Sometimes it comes later when something serious happens to someone close to you. But the most important thing is that when we get to the end of our lives, we lie there knowing that we lived our journey. We took ownership over what happened and we, we set off on our path, expressed ourselves and have no regrets of the things that we've not done because that's what we'll regret. We'll not remember what we've done. We'll remember what we've not. And we'll remember the people that we should have stayed in contact with and the things that we should have said and the adventures we should have gone on. So instead of thinking well this has happened to me and feeling like a victim go out there and do it you can fail don't fear failure failure is just another chance to grow a chance to experiment data for the journey so yeah step into it it's a it's a challenge it's not a threat and every day that you go out there life is designed to be a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit uncertain but that's why you've got courage to just step outside that comfort zone a little bit every day and all of a sudden you'll start to change and grow and be able to step a bit further out and, and i completely agree with you i always tell people the best part of living life is having the ability to maximize your fullest potential so we share the same accord there so i'm just wondering uh what's your uh, best part about living your new life and having a positive impact on other people 
yeah, it's just very, very fulfilling helping other people, especially because I now understand that that is my, in a lot of ways, a mission of mine. And when you're doing something that really aligns with your purpose and your mission, you wake up in the morning and you're ready to go and do it. It fills you with like an intrinsic motivation because you know that not only are you doing what you want to do, but you see other people's smiles as they appreciate what you do and they thank you and they give you feedback that's positive and sometimes it's constructive and yet you know that and start to understand that this is your journey and it's all about you setting off on a journey which is never truly going to end you never suddenly absolve from growing because as soon as you stand still everything else grows around you and for me it's just it's just been great being able to really anchor into that and to help lots of different people in lots of different situations. And I go to bed at night knowing that I've helped someone and you sleep really well. And I think that is, uh, that is something about human beings that, you know, it connects us to each other, the desire to help others and make a difference in the world. And for me, it's just about what I want to bring. And I want to make an impact to millions of people before, you know, I pass to the next realm and go to another planet somewhere else. And in so many ways, if I can just do a, a few people every day, then they can go and spread that message of positivity, ownership, resonance, you know, resilience too, to other people, then gradually the world will be a healthier and happier place. And that's what I want. <laughs> and then just finally, as you know, we're all living through a global health crisis. So as you as your part today, what would be your parting message to anyone uh, that may be struggling through this difficult time? Yeah, so my, my parting message would be, you're not the only one. It's a shared human experience. So many people are finding it difficult at the minute and anxiety across the board. The truth is there is something out there which is you know, causing people to lose their lives. But this is a time for us all to come together communities to be closer for us to speak to the people who matter to us and ensure that we ask them how they're doing to find out that everyone has these concerns and in truth as, as a human race we've been comfortable for a long time and this is really shaking things up for a lot of people and yet this opportunity can be for the people who managed to slow down a little bit, a chance to look and think, am I doing what I want to do? Am I on my journey? Because it's harder when you're not. And if you can spend this time to start to think how you can become more, become closer to your potential and start to look at ways that you can do more of the good work that you want to do out there, this is a great opportunity. And I fully understand at the moment that some people's financial well-being they're really struggling they've been made redundant you know they're facing eviction and yet no matter what happens to you you have the chance to rise up again this is a challenging time but like the seasons we're right in the middle of winter now but spring will come again soon and if you can keep yourself you know still learning still moving still evolving trying to keep positive even in the hard times you know that it's going to come and it's going to come again and it will be a real opportunity for you to step into that challenge and become more. So, yeah, it's difficult. And I understand that so many of us are struggling. And yet just understand that 
we have life and our life we should be so grateful for we should start to think about all the things that we do have rather than what we don't and when we start to look at that a bit more every day it's like a muscle you start to see more of what you're grateful for and more optimism and hope for the future and if we have that then it allows us to start to make plans to get closer to it start to be happier and start to help other people and this is a time to connect with others to make sure the people around you are safe and well and start to work on yourself and just try to do everything you can to look after yourself during these challenging times and try to grow a little bit so that when we get into better times in the future, you're ready to really take advantage and grow even more. Fantastically, it was a fascinating conversation on my end. I sincerely appreciate your time today and I hope uh, you enjoyed the experience, the experience and it was great uh, talking with you this afternoon. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Kevin, it was great.